going to draw you back to that reading from Micah, the first one we heard this morning. Micah is from the land of Judah. The land of Israel to the north has been suffering. The Assyrians have come in and conquered the land of Israel. It's under Assyrian rule. This is around um, 700, maybe 710 before the common era, before the era of Christ. And Judah, the southern kingdom, while it hasn't been overthrown yet by Assyria, lives in constant fear that this will happen. And so they have to pay high tribute taxes to the Assyrians uh, to avoid being invaded. It's not unlike Main Street businesses who used to pay protection money to the mob, except this is an entire country. In the midst of the turmoil, some people are really prospering somehow, whereas other people are suffering more and more. Micah says the wealthy and the powerful are exploiting the weak. Bankers and merchants, he says, are using false weights in their trade exchanges, not maybe unlike the big banks who charge high account fees in our day for those with little money and provide endless perks and free services for those of us who have more or the mortgage lending debacle that led to the stock market crash in 2008, or the government officials who devise loopholes so the wealthy can hold on to their money while those with less resources struggle under the weight of inflation and find little relief from taxation. Micah's world is not all that different from our own. He says there's an increasing gap between the rich and the poor. And laws aren't evenly applied. He says the courts and the legal system are full of corruption and judges and juries are accepting bribes. So again, those with wealth avoid correction while the poor are thrown into prison. There's a buildup of defensive armaments, which means the poor are the ones called into service the population is growing in Judah and Jerusalem is just bursting at the seams because of all the refugees fleeing across the border from Israel down into the southern land. There's a strain on housing. It's driving up the price. The infrastructure needs improvement. Not so different than apartments all around Kansas City Metro and here in Johnson County and especially those ones we saw in the paper that had no electricity or heat on those bitter cold days, squatters who cause fires, non-responsive landlords. The Assyrian religion too has come into the land and it's turning people away from the one true God. They either follow the Assyrian gods or maybe they just don't follow any gods at all. Idolatry, is not just bowing down to statues. Idolatry is putting our trust and security in anything but God. Our wealth, our leaders, our military, our police, our borders, our education, our personal skills, the economy, all of these are idols. Growth, it seems to me, has become a modern idol. I'm not an economics major, and I'll probably get criticized for saying this, but I challenge the fact that businesses think they always have to grow 
or the economies have to grow, or that cities think that if they don't grow, then they're failing. Maybe stability is not necessarily stagnation. Our world doesn't look so different from Micah's world. Human nature hasn't changed all that much. We can still fall into greed and pride and violence and all that stuff. People in Micah's day are complaining because God isn't taking away their suffering. They're saying, where is the justice, God? If you're just, why am I hurting? Lamenting the ugliness and the suffering in their world. But see, God's justice is two-edged. We love it when it's directed at others. We don't like it when it's coming at us. God takes the people to court, or I don't know, maybe the people take God to court. But in Micah chapter 6, we're in a courtroom. Each side is going to state their case, and we get to hear what the Lord says. The Lord says, rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. The jury, it turns out, is creation. The very mountains and hills have been around as long as God's covenants with God's people. The mountains, the hills, the very foundation that the earth sits upon have a long memory. They have seen it all. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. So the Lord rises first in the courtroom and pleads the Lord's case. The Lord says, oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised and what Balaam, son of Baor, answered him. And what happened from Shittim to Gilgal. Shittim to Gilgal is the journey for the crossing into the promised land. And King Balak of Moab had hired Balaam, son of Baor, to go and pronounce curses upon the kingdom of Israel. But when Balaam got there, instead, what came out of his mouth were blessings. Remember these things, O oh my people, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. In other words, here's the evidence, the evidence of my ongoing presence and power in your age and in every age and in the age to come. The covenant has been broken, God says, but I'm not the one that broke it. God rests his or her case. Our actions catch up with us. We are making the bed we must lie in. We want a world without greed, and yet we're greedy. We want to hold on to what we have. We'd all like to have a little bit bigger slice of the prosperity pie. We want a world that is just. And yet we want lenience for ourselves. We want peace, but we glamorize violence in the movies and in games and in the systems that frame our lives. And then the people answer. They rise to make their case before the jury. What will it take to make things right with you? 
they argue. What will it take to appease you, God? In other words, we've erred. You know, we feel the weight of the sin upon us. We are suffering. The consequences are unbearable. What do we have to do to make you remove our suffering? They're bargaining now. With what shall I come before the Lord, bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for my soul? It's extreme. It's getting more and more extreme, as if God is unreasonable, vindictive, and extortionist like the Assyrians Does anything suffice to move God to accept me? I think that's the eternal question, particularly when I've defied God and repented and I want to return to a closer relationship. What will it take? And then the verdict comes from the voice of the prophet. And it's like you could hear the silence in the courtroom, the pin drop. He has told you, oh, mortal. Mortal, that's Adam. Adama, earthling, somebody made from the soil. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice. Mishpat. Justice is what God's people do. It's an action. It's not enough for us to wish for it or complain about it when we don't see it around us. We have to work for fairness. We have to demand the change of laws that privilege some at the expense of others. When we give to MLM and to the gathering table, which I think is fabulous, and I'm so excited to hear Sharon's announcement. I mean, wow. That is amazing. When we help the homeless, when we provide, we are giving charity, which is good, and it beats real needs, and it brings real relief and real blessing and real grace into people's lives. But it isn't the same as justice. Justice requires advocacy and a change in how the world is run. What what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness? That word kindness is really hesed in in, um, Hebrew, hesed, which means a lot of words. One word won't sum it up. It, It means love and loyalty and faithfulness and fidelity and right, good relationships with God and with other people. It's faithfulness to God motivated by love. What does the Lord require of you, O mortal, but to do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Walking is the metaphor for life. Life is a journey. We are to walk it with God, not getting ahead of God, not going it alone, but walking with God. I mean, imagine yourself walking a path taking a hike with God alongside, in partnership, in conversation. We are to walk humbly, carefully, reverently, attentively with our God. And nothing, absolutely nothing we could ever do would make ourselves right with God or earn God's favor, but it doesn't matter because God loves us. 
so much that God makes it right with us. In spite of our failings, God remains with us and is here for us in every single moment of our lives. The path to a more heavenly life, a just, prosperous, peaceful world is before us, God says. God's ready to lead us there, just like God led the the Israelites to the promised land. We will also have, though, free will, and we can insist on going our own way, and we can refuse to listen to the word of God. Or we can start every day with prayer. We can ask God what we need to see. What do we need to do? What do we need to attend to? God, a higher power, the source of life is going to show us the way, and not only show us the way, but make a way for us, removing the obstacles, breaking down the barriers, fighting the evil, supporting us, lifting us up, filling us with strength. It's interesting that the antidote to every single addiction, it doesn't matter what program you look at or what the addiction is, is always the same. Less focus on ourselves and on how we're wounded and more focus on others and how we have participated in wounding and then how we can also participate in serving and loving others. It's always moving the focus out. We can change the world, but the change starts in our own hearts first. And it's a message I think we need to take into the streets because I don't know about you, but I turn on the news or I read the paper and I'm just shocked and stunned again and again and again at the amount of violence and greed and hatred and animosity and inequality that's going on all around us. And it's making the world kind of a nasty place to be. But we could take Micah's message to the streets and to the prisons and the classrooms and the boardrooms We could tell people, you know, going alone, relying on your own strength, how is that working for you? Having it our way isn't working. But there is another way. If you want a prosperous life, then do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. Sing a new song. Sing of that great day when all will be one. God will reign. And we'll walk with each other as sisters and brothers, united in love. Amen.